Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Diana Dini. Hi, Fred. um, We were just starting the chat, and we... I, I think I asked you a couple of weeks ago if you had some time to schedule, and you said, oh, I'm going off to this, the ASQ Risk and Reliability Division Conference and taking some time off to see Boston and all that cool stuff. So welcome back. And how was the conference? What did you think of that? Yeah, thanks. I thought it was very informative. Um, the people there were very nice, and they presented some useful use cases of reliability, and also some cutting-edge stuff, um, you know, some heavy mathematical concepts, and then some also <laughs> some soft skills. So it was a good mix, and it was a good group. I was really happy that I went. Well, that's cool. You mentioned just briefly one of them was uh, Wayne Nelson, who I've looked up to him for so long, and he's got hundreds and hundreds of papers out there and books and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but it sounded like he was on a theme of collaboration. He did, yes. He um, he presented a couple times, well, I think maybe three times he presented at least, uh, and he closed out the conference, and he closed with a uh, talk about collaboration. He pulled out some of his collaboration efforts um, that he's had over his career, and it was a lot of fun to um, sit in on that presentation because he talked about people that he worked with and what they accomplished. And there was also some humor involved. Um, but he also talked about you know, the lessons learned from those collaborations. So that was a good way to close out the conference, um, just leaving us with a sense of collaboration with each other and that's one of the reasons that we go to these events right well there's that but i don't know i've i've been to some conferences that everybody shows up they talk at the at the participants and then then they you get five minutes of chit chat in the hallway and you know to the amount of well send me your slides and i think it's a missed opportunity when that happens the way you described it it was collaboration being at a conference. It was some of the work or papers he's done. Uh, and that struck a chord with me. Is one of the things that uh, Carl Carlson and I have been working on for years and is a book, and we hope to have it out sometime soon. We're working on it. But the, what what struck me was that I've learned so much getting, you know, working closely with Carl and going through concepts and topics. And then, and I'm sure Wayne probably mentioned that, like, he brings certain strengths to the table, and then he's got somebody else that maybe is a material scientist, that that's not his field, but they bring in insights that help make it a stronger paper or a stronger breakthrough or or improvement or whatever. Um that was a theme of his presentation, yeah. You know, focusing on what he was good at, what he brought, but then also recognizing what the other person brought and how they were able to collaborate on something that ended up being really useful uh, and eye-opening and and changing for whatever project that they were working on. It's one of the things 
that I think reliability engineers in general just have to realize is um, we're not designing the product. <laughs> no. Right. We're not manufacturing it. We're not picking the suppliers. Um, by our very nature, we have to collaborate with the rest of the team uh, in order to influence those decisions, to support those you know choices they make and the options that are presented to them, uh, provide the right information and so on. But if it doesn't do much good at all for a quality or reliability engineer to walk in the room and go, no, you can't do that because they'll just close the door and you'll be on the outside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an important step of um, communicating or, or letting the people that you're collaborating with know that you're, you're, should, you're not a barrier or a stop button. You really want the same thing and that you want to help them do what it is that they want to achieve and just do it in in a good way that that'll achieve good results and that is something that um is sometimes hard to communicate especially when reliability engineering is sometimes seen as like a black box of magic well you know and some of that's our own fault and there's plenty of other industries and professions that do that they create their own language they create their own procedures and techniques and they you know, it's only taught in reliability books and, and reliability conferences that, you know, if you only get to go to one conference a year, do you go to the mechanical engineering one or do you go to the reliability one? It's kind of a, we all do that to ourselves uh, to some extent. But the idea is, is that, what I, I chuckled there a moment ago because it reminded me of, I was teaching a class to a group of engineers and it was some of these arcane or mystical reliability <laughs> topics that we talk about. And and they were struggling with it. And one of the engineers looked at me and, and they were working on a medical device that actually was a radiation therapy stuff for cancer. And he looked at me and said, come on, give us a break. We're trying to cure cancer here. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, it was, it was another group and they were, they were actually rocket scientists type people, you know, working on on rockets and and they looked at me and i looked at them and says why are you struggling with this i thought you guys were rocket scientists and they're like yeah right we've heard that before yeah (laughs) i have some friends that work in the field and yeah they hear that all the time (laughs) and but part of it is is the is recognizing that wherever you sit in the organization you probably don't have all the answers you not probably is I'd say fairly certain or certainly you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the insights. You don't have all the solutions. Um, bringing just problems is also a problem. If that's all we do is like you mentioned the stop button idea. Um, I think that collaboration part is, is akin to what that, uh, you know, we're trying to cure cancer here is, is understanding what is it we're trying to do? What is the objective? And if our objective is, you just have to make it more reliable. That may not be the objective for the rest of the organization. It's one of, it's like we need to create a a device that actually is safely administers this radiation therapy. That's a different objective than just make it more reliable. It might be a part of it, a piece of that overall objective, but it's not the whole shoot and match there, so to speak. Yeah, there uh, there was a time early in my career when one of my managers, excuse me, 
There was a time early in my career where um, one of my managers, uh, during one of our one-on-ones, he said, you know, we just saw the CEO give a town hall speech, and isn't it exciting which direction he's taking the company and and, uh, the new initiatives that we're going to be exploring? And what did you think of that? And at the time, I was... uh, Every day I was gowning up to go into the clean room to work on machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I honestly said, I really don't see how his vision of the work that I'm doing. <laughs> um, but when, you, when you're stepping into reliability and quality engineering, it's important to be able to relate our recommendations and our feedback to the team with those broader business objectives and quality objectives, and even at the project level, what it is you're trying to accomplish. And um, and you're right, it's important to understand from where you're standing in the organization. You need to understand where it is everybody's trying to go. And that does take some time. Maybe you have to stop what you're doing and really realign yourself to that. And there's a... a there's a trap in that. What I've seen some people do is that, you know, CEO just said we're turning left up ahead. And so because we're turning left up ahead, you have to do what I tell you. They, mm-hmm. they kind of make a false, they attach it to the, the vision or the direction or some statement from senior managers, but not make it clear how that relates to what you're doing. Right, they just kind of go, oh, well, that's the new division. So I, I'm I'm fully on that. So we have to go this way. When mm-hmm. it's just, it's not genuine. It's not real. It's not in it. Um, it part of it is is the empathy part. Is what's in it for them? You know, it's not what's in it for me. It's nobody else needs to know that unless they want to or or ask about it. But if I'm working with a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, and, you know, we're trying to get this product out and get it to meet the objectives and so on, well, what are their objectives? What is their driving force here? What is they are they trying to do? Is it a new innovation that they're struggling with? Or is it uh, uh, a troublesome set of components that some work and some don't, and that's kind of putting them behind schedule? Or is it at the end of the year or end of the project, they're going to be asked, well, is it good enough? And can you help them answer that question? Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So that's even, even a step down from the project level is just understanding what it is they're dealing with and trying to do whatever they're trying to do. Right. Right. Well, there's, I think then the next level up is, is I often tell the story of this, this, young procurement engineer showed up at my desk and she said, Hey, my boss said, I have to come talk to you. And I'm like, I've never had anybody from procurement come talk to me willingly. (laughs) 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 And she was, you know, contemplating a, uh, a new component that was half the price. And, and in the procurement manager had already had run-ins with me, because of making these cost cuts without really thinking through the reliability part of it. And so we went through the two data sheets and they had fit rates on them. And I said, you realize that we use a lot of these parts. And if that fit rate actually, well, and she's like, well, it's such a small number. I said, okay. 
we use like 25 of these per system and we make, you know, a million of these systems a week, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Those numbers are small, but now they add up. And uh, okay. And then how much does it cost when something fails? And she had no idea. It's not part of her department. It wasn't part of her world. Her, she was working with suppliers all day in and day out. And so we did a real quick, simple back of the envelope math and said, all right, if you save a nickel per part, it'll cost us $50 more per machine that we ship. And is that a cost savings? And she goes, uh, no. <laughs> Walked away. But part of it was, I, I, and I, since I knew that manager, it was they were driven to do, and their charter was cost reduction, you know, right. get cheaper parts. But part of it is understanding that and going, well, what's, let's just reframe that, right? Is that really a cost reduction? And I think that's what the, why they were there asking me questions. But the, the working with other folks is, is how do we help them understand whether it's a bigger picture or how is it connected to the overall theme of what we're trying to do or what the objective is? But I think vast majority of the time when we're dealing with collaboration is, how can I help if I go into it and working with you and it's how can I help you solve a problem or make a breakthrough or get the credit that's due it, it makes the collaboration two way. It makes it easier to do. If it's this, I write chapter one and you write chapter two and then they never get reconciled in the same tone or voice or pacing or whatever, then it's, well, well, that's, just two separate papers stuck in a book together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not collaboration at that point. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And it's, um, it's also when you're working with other people, um, accepting that what, what they're telling you is their, their wisdom and, um, being able to accept, accept that and work with it. And, um, um, move forward with the collaboration with it. Yeah. Well, oh. There are some people that are like, no, I'm not working with you. They just tell me I'm wrong. I'm going to do it my way or the highway. And I'm like, okay, see you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some where you just go, this is just not going to work. You just irritate the daylights out of me. So I'm not going to make this work. Luckily, that's been the exception. Vast majority of people are want to share what they know. And if you're open and willing to learn from that, I think then you have a, you, you both benefit. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, I think is what you're getting at there. It's, um, but I mean, it's collaboration is different than just working on a paper. I think it's working on solving a problem. Is we mm -hmm. often like in our failure analysis processes, the 8D team is one of the first steps is we'll build a team, <laughs> like get the right people in the room. Or FMEA is put the team together. You know, construct it and work together. Um, so many of the different things we do. Um, it's, I mean, you can brainstorm all by yourself, but it's just not as satisfying. No. <laughs> <laughs> so no, having yeah, having those different viewpoints and in different backgrounds, and even just a different perspective of what it is that you're trying to solve. You might be solving the same problem, but you have a different perspective and viewpoint of it. Um, that's really valuable in being able to move forward with something that's a, a good design or a, or a good result. Yeah. Now, I, I'm thinking back to years ago, I was, I was 
working with a production line doing circuit boards. And one of the connectors that was a through hole connector um, would float. It didn't snap into the board. It didn't have any retaining feature on it. It just had leads going through the holes on the board, basically. And, and so when the solder hit it, it would touch one side of the leads first, and then the other side would float up and so that it would be crooked in the board or it wouldn't even get soldered on some of the leads. And so that was a problem. And so we recognized that. And we heard about it remote, and, and we were close to the engineering teams. And so one of the mechanical engineers, oh, I got an idea for this. So he created this jig that was about $500, in all these gears and clamps and hold downs and you had to fit a board in it just right and tighten these things just right and you know and he had torque specs on it i was like really this is a production line here and um so he had a couple of them made up and happened to have a trip to where this production line was and we're in asia and uh in singapore actually and we're brought this thing out to the line and you know the folks there were very polite and they kind of looked at it and okay well we'll give it a try and and it was a pain it was going to add so much time to the process and they were bulky and and all these other problems with it and it was pretty obvious this was not a good solution so one of the guys on the line said i've got an idea um let's try again tomorrow and we get there the next day and he had a little uh bin full of sandbags that look like um, the little square, like two-inch square sandbag or, or bag full of pellets of some sort that you might throw like playing in a, a, a tic-tac-toe game in your yard where you're throwing these little bags at a, a target, for example, or something yeah. like that. And it was material that would not melt or, or catch on fire in the wave soldering machine. And all he did was just drop it on top of the connector after, you know, it's going into the board and he, there was like two connectors and he dropped those on there and it'd come through the deal. It'd hold it down perfectly, it'd get soldered and they just pick up the bags and put it in a bin and take it back to the front. It cost about $40 for a thousand of these little, little bags that he had custom made uh, overnight. And it took, just the time of just dropping it on and pick it up. That was all it took. And, well, that's great. And it was like the mechanical engineer was dumbstruck. He's like, yeah, I." there was a part of one of my classes was keep it simple. But I spent all that time learning about gears and cams and torque and forces and all the other stuff. I just wanted to use that stuff. That's what I do every day. <laughs> like, okay. But that idea of seeing it from different points of view and different perspectives and, and, you know, here's somebody on the production line that said, you know, there might, I think there's a better way to do this and didn't want to challenge anybody. Didn't want to know, let's just try it. And it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of the mechanical engineer that spent, you know, two days in a CAD system drawing up and designing this thing. Well, it's, um, I guess the mechanical engineer, he still, still has his knowledge base that he can do something for a future project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but keeping it simple is, uh, is usually best. So maybe, maybe in that point, if they were having that trouble, if the engineer and the operator 
had worked together or, or talked together about it, uh, they may have come to a good resolution a little faster, do you think? Oh, I think so. Um, the hard part was the cultural differences. The folks in Singapore and that production line, is they didn't say, no, that's not going to work. They, they wouldn't challenge. They, they won't say no. It's just not part of the culture. They might say, that might be difficult, which means there's no way in hell that's going to work. <laughs> it translates to that, uh, essentially. But they won't tell you, no. It's just not part of the language. Um, it sounds like my, my mother-in-law with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she'll never say no. <laughs> no, maybe let's try a different idea. Yeah, try distraction. <laughs> anyway, try yeah. something else. All right. um, but the, the sometimes the role that we play in the collaboration is pull the right expertise together and pr provide that bridge for the listening and for try it and let's do those kinds of things. Sometimes our role is to just what is the actual problem? Can we w define it real well? And sometimes it's, you know, contribute a little bit that sparks another contribution that sparks another contribution and then you get something really useful. Collaboration can take on so many different um approaches and realms and so on. It's not always a, a by, two bylines on an article, for example. Um, but it, it, it's part and parcel to what we do as reliability engineers is we just have to work with other people. And technically, I, to me, that means that's a collaboration if you do it well. Yeah. But anyway, if, you know, if, um, I'm glad you, you got to go to the conference and see Wayne presenting. It sounds like he I mean, he's done so much work over the years, and I'm, I'm glad he shared some of the insights and ideas that he, he's worked with other folks and brought that to light. That That's cool. Um, but it's uh, so if you're listening to this and, and, you know, it's like, well, how do I do this? How do I break through this? Or how do, what's working or not working for you? We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR, and there you can find uh, a couple different ways to get in touch with us, uh, Diana and I, and the other hosts of the show are available through the uh, uh, LinkedIn or our about pages on the on the Ascendo site. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch. So think of it as collaboration. Get in touch with us. Give us a, a topic or an idea or a question, and and we'll work with you and and talk about it and share it with the rest of the folks. So it's uh, a, a a thin form of collaboration, but uh, hopefully we can work together to share knowledge across our our, our discipline. Well, that's a great way to look at it, though. Oh, yeah. Maybe that'll yeah. get a few more questions showing up for us. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Diana. And I'm glad you had a great trip. And uh, hope you're probably already starting working on your next paper. So. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of um, a lot of ideas and things to share. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. And if you can go to conferences, um, they're, they're worth going to if you can go and, and even the remote ones, they're, they're also good. Yeah. They're worth it. Exactly. Thanks so much, Dan. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye, Fred. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic, that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.